When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. This is Writing Excuses, episode 25, Tense and Viewpoint, um, part two. 15 <laughs> minutes long because you're in a hurry. And we're not that smart. I'm Brandon. I'm Dan. And I'm Howard. Uh, a couple weeks ago, we talked a lot about viewpoints, and I thought we need to get back to this topic because, as I've said, I think it's one of the main things that newer writers do wrong. Um, let's talk about how to do a third-person limited really well. Let's talk about, I mean, because it's... It's, you said 80, um, 60, 80%. I think it's more like 90%. I'm going to only think of a be. couple that really do first person. First person works really well. But what does a third person limited give us, and how do you write it correctly, Dan? How do you write it correctly? Yes. You notice how I skipped the first half of that question? I don't know. Um, I can't remember that's what okay. I said. That's okay. What you do is uh, you, when you get into a scene, and we've talked about structuring scenes before, you have to know what the scene is intended to accomplish, and you have to know who's in it. At that point, you decide, based on where this scene is going and where it's coming from, the most interesting character in it is going to be this one. Right. He's the one who changes, or he's the one who has to make a very important decision, or he's the one who will be hurt the most, and then you say, I'm going to tell this scene from his point of view. Okay. All right. So you're talking about how do we choose the right person. This is something you do a lot, Howard. You are picking which group of characters to tell stories about. You're picking which, I mean, you'll have a, in a comic, you'll have a character focus. One person is the focus, even if others there. How are you deciding who it is? I'm looking for what's funniest. Okay. And <laughs> it, I, I had to confess this because I'm, I'm such a hack, but there are weeks when I need to push out a week's worth of comics this week. Mm-hmm. It needs to be funny. It needs to move the story forward, but I'm a little pressed for time. And so I look for opportunities to work NSB and Schlock into the story in a dialogue-heavy setting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because they can make jokes. Because, yeah, they, they can... NSB and Tagon works well, too. Mm-hmm. And uh, the result, somebody did a statistical analysis and determined that uh, Tagon has appeared more in the strip than anybody else. And that's because he works so well yeah. in those he's sorts good, of settings. He's a good straight man. He's a, yeah, well, yeah. He's, a good, he's a good fallback mm-hmm. when uh, I want to draw something quickly and, uh, and knock he, down the yeah. week of comics in a hurry. But most of the time, I'm looking at, all right, what piece of the story needs to be told yeah. next? Where's the drama? Where's the funny? Who haven't I tuned into in a okay. while? Mm-hmm. This is an important one um, because one of, one of the, another big mistake newer writers make is they will try for too many viewpoints and then they will have trouble juggling the ball. Um, George R. R. Martin does it brilliantly. He's got like 30, 40 viewpoints um, and he manages to keep them all straight. Um, I think that a newer writer should stick to two or three maximum. One mm-hmm. or two on a first person, two or three on a third person. 
Um, and you've got to keep them juggled so that you're I, showing them. I would them. say that a new yeah. writer should do one on a first person. Yeah, I will yeah. agree yeah, with finish, right. yeah. finish your first and second yeah. and third books and then tackle and then, the... Yeah. Because yeah. that's so hard to do Multiple right. Firsts. Um, when I'm writing a piece, I'm often having to choose, okay, who's, whose head am I in? Because I will have a cast of six or eight standard viewpoint characters. And <clears throat> when I look at it, I look at more than just who's got the growth. Um, I've got who's got stuff that they're hiding. Um, mm -hmm. And is it fun to show what they're hiding? Or is it fun to keep it back from the reader um, and from mm -hmm. the other characters? And I will also look at uh, who's, just, who's the most interesting. Um, usually what I'll have is I'll have two or three dominant viewpoint characters and then side characters. And honestly, I'm using these side characters to show viewpoints, um, show scenes when I'm tired of writing about the main characters. When I, want, yeah. when I need to shake it up for myself and say, okay, let's see this through another lens. Let's see this from another perspective. This allows me to see the main characters but from someone else's eyes and describe them in new and different ways. Sometimes I'll throw in random, strange viewpoints. I've noticed a lot of third-person mm -hmm. writers do this. Um, and it allows you to do that. You can just give a new perspective. You know, when we talked about uh, third-person omniscient uh, a couple of weeks ago. Which you do. Which, which I do. Well, I realized when I'm drawing the strip and writing the dialogue, there's no omniscience at all. And in fact, the yeah. third-person limited is even further limited because you don't get... You know, Their Kevin. Yeah. Kevin thought this about mm -hmm. so and so. It's very rare that I use thought bubbles. Right. Um, and if I do thought bubbles, it's usually when a character is all by his or herself yeah. and has no occasion to speak out loud. Right. Mm -hmm. um, so what I'm doing is more like what you see in film. Yeah. Where well, film right. is well, cinematic. Yeah. That's the. Uh, how do you want to name this after you? <laughs> well, this is this is more or less Card's thing that he yeah. that he labeled as uh, third person cinematic. And he does a very it, see. I can't name it after me, Jordan. Orson Scott Card already <laughs> named it after you. He told me. After he called That's it third okay, person cinematic. Howard, yeah. you got the donkey law already. <laughs> um, no, uh, Scott Card's a good one to read because um, he does this. It's very quick. Efficient zip zip zip, um, mm -hmm. particularly in, in his later books. The Bean books do this very well. Um, I prefer a more um, leisurely tone, a little bit. I, so I write epic fantasy. I want to spend my time with the characters. Um, I want to spend time showing you who they are through their through their viewpoint. And um, I will, I will almost you know I'll guarantee it. I will guarantee to our readers. Uh, our a guarantee. Right. A guarantee. Here's Here it comes. Excuses guaranteed. If you can learn to do a third person limited and make it really, really good, it won't matter what your plot is. It won't matter what your setting is. You will sell that book because you will get to the, um, the editors and they will say, they can do characters so well, we can, we can fix their plot problems. I can fix their setting problems. Teaching them to do character in a third-person limited. It's essentially teaching them voice. You know, Stacy. Of course, said the this. problem is everybody who writes yeah. science fiction or wants to write science fiction wants to write it because they love world building. Although you, yeah, <laughs> that's a, that's true. That's a good point. So what you're telling them yeah. is, all right, your world building. That's not going to get you the job. What's going to get you the job yeah. is learning this bit we're talking about right yeah. now. Now, world building can get you the job, but I, this mm -hmm. is the guarantee. If, if okay. you, if the, if the editor opens that first page and they read one page, which is so, so beautifully written in a viewpoint that they understand that character perfectly well with one page, they're going to keep reading and they're going to want to buy that book, mm -hmm. uh, particularly in epic fantasy. Um, 
That's because in epic fantasy, we've got a lot of narrative. We've got a lot of time being spent in people's heads. We've got a lot of pages where we're experiencing the characters, and it's driven by these sort of large blocks where you're spending yeah. with the character, and you've got to be able to make that interesting. You know, the nice thing about this guarantee is that our methods of measuring whether you're good enough to get published are that you get, get published. published yeah. Therefore, Shh, it's a self-fulfilling guarantee. <laughs> Just thought I'd point that out. Um, Pay no attention to the man behind man behind the mirror. Um, one thing I suggest when I when I teach my class, just one little exercise I give them is I will get up and say, "Okay, we are going to have a passage written from a third person limited viewpoint with no dialogue in it, um, where we're going to have four different characters ride through the middle of a medieval village, and we're going to have four different people. We're going to have a nobleman, we're going to have a scholar, we're going to have a blacksmith, and we're going to have a merchant. Are they riding together? Um, no." We're going to do four scenes told, okay. and you're going to make that scene wildly different with the same exact events depending on who the character is that you're having ride through the town. And you'll see that they'll begin to have to build backstory and conflict for these characters. They'll start to talk about, well, the blacksmith will notice this and will notice this. The scholar will notice this, will notice this. And by what is noticed and how it is written, you will be able to evoke who these people are just in your narrative. And when you can start doing that, that's what gets your narrative to actually sing, as I say it. Um, let's I start, think that's yeah. our. I think that's, that's our, our writing, writing prompt. prompt. That's our yeah. writing prompt. Okay. Yeah. For the for the middle writing of prompt. right here in the middle mm -hmm. of the episode, write a scene from four different uh, four different viewpoints that that shows the exact same events, tells you something very different about each character, includes their history, not just their profession, but their history and their conflicts by what they notice about the town. Mm -hmm. This week's writing excuses brought to you by Warbreaker. I haven't read it. <laughs> <laughs> But I hear it's good. This week's Writing Excuses is brought to you by Warbreaker by Brandon Sanderson. No, I haven't read it either. <laughs> I have. But we have been paid to tell you that it's awesome. Uh, Two thumbs up. You can download it for free. That's cool, right? Unfortunately, there are four of us in the room. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's move on to tense. Um, Dan... Talk to us about tense. What are the two big tenses? We talked about it um, two weeks ago. Past and present. Past and present. What do you gain from, from past? What do you gain from present? What you gain from past is that you are not using present, which is very hard <laughs> to use. <laughs> okay. Uh, Dan past. furrows his brow yeah. and then smirks. We, you know, we, and we then throws about something the percentage at Howard. of books written in third person is yeah. like being around 80. I'm going to say 95 to 97 percent of the books you read are going to be in past in tense. In sci-fi fantasy, yeah. In sci-fi fantasy, um, children's has becoming a lot more, much more Snow Crash by Neil Stevenson. In, um, yeah. Snow Crash by Neil Stevenson is written in present tense, and the first paragraph was kind of jarring. Mm -hmm. And after that, I was sucked all the way through the book. Stevenson yeah. nailed it. Now, yeah. here's the question. Then you you bring up something that I've always I've kind of wondered in my head and, and teased around. Does it make a difference? Or does the brain start filtering when you say, he threw the rock or he throws the rock? Does your brain just interpret that the same after you've been reading for a while? Or is there a difference? I'm not sure. I don't know. Because one of the other first person books, I mean, not first person, but present tense books that I was thinking of was uh, Cry of the Beloved Country, which mm -hmm. is also in first and has a completely and utterly different feel from... Uh, from Snow Crash. Yeah. I just realized that uh, my comic is written in 
Is it present? Present tense. The narrator. <laughs> You're discovering so the many narrator things. does not. Oh, the narrator does not tense, speak huh? in wow. past tense unless he is talking about something that is happening right now right. as a result of something else that happened that we didn't okay. see. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> yeah, but usually he's just establishing the setting. Right. But I'm going to have to go back and look now. But I think it's I 95% once, present once tense. Let's ask Lee Modis at this um, because he actually, if you go read the Recluse books, the first one's in present tense. Um, and then around the third, he switches to past. Um, and there are some where he switches in the book. Some scenes will be present, some will be past. And I asked him why, and he said, I think that present is, um, is a lot more present. Um, it, it, he thinks it makes it feel like it's happening right then. It builds immediacy. Yeah. Um, one of the best books that uses present is, um, is Speed of Dark by Elizabeth Moon. Um, and this is a book where half of the book is told, or maybe three quarters, from the viewpoint of an autistic person. Um, it's third person, mm. present tense. And what's happening is all the characters who are not autistic, it's in third person past. This main, this char- the main character, it's in third person present. And I tell you, it jars you every time you switch to their viewpoint. Wow. And I think the reason she did it is because aut- aut- one of the things about autism is you kind of are very present oriented. But also, I think it worked very well to jar, um, to kick someone out and say, wait a minute, we're going into the the autistic person's head now. This is different. Um, The thing about that is, would I recommend it? I don't know. Um, People always want to try weird things with tense. Yeah. People tend to get really creative with that. And and I think we mentioned this in an earlier podcast when we used to work on uh, Sci-Fi Magazine. Mm -hmm. I mean, that was almost the number one problem we had. You know, second to you can't write yeah. was you can write fairly well, but tr- stop trying to be cute with viewpoint tense. Yeah. You know, you, if you have a good reason to start playing around or jumping between different tenses in the same story or the same scene, then sure, if you have a good reason, you can do it well. But for the most part, yeah. just take third person limited past tense and run with it. Yeah. Um, one thing we haven't talked about is second person. Um, yeah, the second person present tense <laughs> is one of the most onerous things to read, though it can be done well, and yes. it has been done well. Particularly, now, most of these rules go out the window if you're writing literary fic, because in literary fic, they're looking for ways, a lot of times, to be jarring and innovative mm-hmm. and, 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 and work at you in these ways. But the reason that it works for literary fic is because it is so jarring. When we're writing um, in genre fiction, um, most every one of us, uh, most people I talk to, most most authors I know are trying to write Orwellian fiction, which is Orwellian prose, which is, he talked about prose that's translucent, um, that you don't see the the prose, you see the story. Um, The prose is a window beyond which all these wonderful things are happening. And when you start fiddling with tense, it starts making people pay attention to the window instead mm-hmm. of what's happening beyond it. If, if your writing is calling attention to itself, yeah. then you are getting away from the kind of storytelling roots that most of us in this genre are trying right. to do. Well, it's one of the big criticisms you made against to, the genre. To act, yeah. You just have to ask yourself what your goal is with right. this. Exactly. Do you want to become well-known? Do you want to become a William Faulkner, or do you want to become someone who is you know, spinning a good yarn? Yeah, and most of us, I, I want to tell stories. I like to tell really great stories that make people feel emotions and will make them think, but only in the bounds that the characters are doing things that will make them think. I'm not trying in the narrative to raise issues or questions. I'm trying to have the characters do things that may raise those issues. And if you're going to try writing something in second person, unless you're writing Choose Your Own Adventure, um, (laughs) second person being you do this, you do that, um, then you're going to kick your, your readers out. 
Well, any final words? All right, let's wrap it there. Or um, thank you guys for listening. This has been writing. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue. All in the Kroger app. Get three pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.